Welcome to Labor Pains, supported by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am a woman passionate about helping women and men share their stories of infertility struggles or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. My guests will share their painful stories of hurt and heartache to bring you hope and inspiration so that you know that you are not alone during your journey to have a family to love. Hello, my podcast friends and family. I am so excited to talk to my guest today. Um, she is someone that I met several years ago, but just recently reconnected with her because of her story and because of the podcast. Um, and her name is Jamie. So Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Hello, everyone. Jamie has a, a very unique story and journey um, to having a family. Um, and so I'm excited for all the listeners to hear. So, Jamie, let's just start with how about you tell us a little bit about you? Tell us a little bit about your marriage, your family, and your plans for a completed family. Okay. Well, um, I met my husband nine years ago. Uh, I was actually going through a divorce. My ex husband and I, we have two kids together. And, um, it was a pretty ugly divorce as we were going through. It wasn't easy at all. And then my husband, um, was actually my ex-husband's friend and he was kind of there for my ex-husband and he was there for me. So he was just kind of, you know, being like the middleman to help us get through it. And then after spending quite a bit of time with them, after a few months of separating, um, from my ex-husband, uh, we ended up starting dating. And so we have been together ever since. He is 14 years older than I am. Wow. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And at the time, he he had a son and a daughter. His son was just five years younger than me. So it was kind of hard for me to wrap my head around um, that that was my stepson. (laughs) yeah five years younger and then he had a little girl and at the time she was eight and then my kids were five and two okay so um lucas so you had a great uh uh self-made family or kind of yeah big family Um, a blended family it was a very blended family david at the time was already 18 or 19 maybe he was 19 so he was already on his own doing his own thing so it was just kind of the three little kids and dj and i and then after about a few years we ended up uh maybe two years i don't remember but (laughs) we ended up getting (laughs) married we just decided on a Tuesday, hey, let's just go get married on Friday. And we just went to the courthouse. We didn't tell anybody. We just did it. Oh, wow. Yeah. We just wanted the spontaneous and we didn't want to like think about it. We just did it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then and then how did you tell everybody? Um, we just kind of <laughs> sent out a text message and was like, hey, we just got married this afternoon. If you want to come to... Um, Alton Sports Tap and have dinner with us to celebrate you can so that's just kind of what we did oh my gosh well you probably both 
had, I guess I'm assuming, I don't know, uh, big weddings before? Both of you had a first marriage? We did. Um, I was 19 when I got married the first time. And so I had a smaller but yet like bigger wedding and it wasn't anything that I wanted. And then I'm actually DJ's fourth wife. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, that's, that's a long story itself. (laughs) Yeah. We don't have, we probably don't have time for all of that. (laughs) No, it's not that he like just was jumping around with different people. You know, his first wife was with his son. And back then when you're in high school and you get somebody pregnant, you have to get married. That was just the tradition. And then a second wife after 13 years decided that she wanted to be a lesbian. And so he had to get divorced then. And then his fourth wife, she wanted um, to have a family and she wanted to be a mom, but he had a vasectomy after his daughter with his second marriage. And so she left him so that she could one day be a mom. Wow. Wow. So he's had an interesting, uh, he has one huge, very interesting story. Yes. So that's kind of like <laughs> the logistics and the backstory behind all of it. Okay. Okay. And just want to emphasize he had a vasectomy with yes. when he was married to the second wife. Okay. The second wife after okay. he had his daughter. Okay. All right. So um, after he had his daughter, his wife at the time was like, childbirth birth was terrible. I'm never mm. doing that again. You need to go get a vasectomy like now. So the baby was a couple months old and he went in and got a vasectomy because at the time they had been married for 10, 11 years. You know, he didn't think that any divorce or anything, any changes were going to happen. He just thought that that was his life. So he did what his wife wanted. And then it was just a few years later that she decided that, you know, she's, she doesn't want to live like that anymore and she wants to be happy. And she was, she decided she was a lesbian so she to this day is married to a woman or with a woman and sure. happy and never went back to a man wow okay all right and so you guys met you got married were there yep. plans when you were dating to have children or did you feel like you you had you know a blended family and that was good um at first it was a blended family and that was good because I didn't want to have children with different men I know people do it all the time, but at the time of just going through a divorce and going through everything that I went through, I did not want to go ahead and bring a baby in with somebody else. And so it wasn't even in the cards. And then a couple years or about a year after we married, um, we were like, okay, we really want to have a baby. And so we started looking into our options because he has had a vasectomy 13 years prior yeah when we wanted to have this done or it's yeah from us wanting to do it and so we looked into a clinic in St. Louis um Dr. Sieber Siebert I'm not sure how to pronounce his name but um he is well known all over the world and he does all kinds of different procedures and we contacted them and they sent us the packet and it was $18,000. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. So, so how did that feel? 
Oh, that's um, squasher. <laughs> we just felt discouraged. We felt yeah. very discouraged. We felt determined in some ways, like, okay, well, we could save this money. We'll get taxes back and we'll save our taxes every year. And he was even going to get a second job so that he can um, start putting money back and we can make this a reality. And then um, we got about $2,000 saved. And then at the time we were renting our home and we got told, hey, you have to go ahead and find a new place to live. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. I want to I want to move back into this house. So you need you have 30 days to find some place. Oh, my God. So that two thousand dollars that we saved, we went ahead and applied that towards uh, a home. And so it's just every time we'd save money, have another setback and that money would be gone. And so we were completely discouraged. So we looked into fostering and adopting. Okay. It was weighing on my heart that that's what we needed to do. And then God um, smacked us in the face with um, four boys. What? Yeah. um, My cousin was going through a rough time and she um, couldn't keep her kids. Uh, All four boys were going to go into the foster system. And so um, we decided to just take on all four of them. And we didn't know how we were going to do it. We didn't know how we were going to afford anything. But yeah, that's that's huge. It. Yeah. So for and a year, we kept all four of them. And how old were those boys? 10, 12, 13, and 15. Oh, my goodness. And, and then our kids <laughs> were, Lucas, I think, was five at the time. So that would make Taylor eight you were five and then taylor was eight and kinsey was 10 oh my goodness yeah that's a lot lot of lot of children (laughs) yes it was crazy so during that time obviously we didn't look into anything (laughs) yeah yeah there was no room we were just trying to survive and get through the next day like Feeding all of these grown, growing boys. Oh my goodness. That was so hard. We had to put a lock on our pantry. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So we did that for a year. And after we did that, we're just like, okay, we really need to get back in this and we have to do something because after we foster those boys, we realized that no, we don't want to foster because giving them back was so hard. I probably cried every night for like a month or two because just giving them back in the unknown of how are they doing are they asking for me you know like do they need help with their schoolwork um we just realized that fostering just wasn't for us because my heart wasn't strong enough yeah I I I believe that I believe that happens a lot with people that foster that your heart is just ripped out like torn apart when you have to send them back so yeah, I couldn't yeah. imagine that that hurt. So yeah. then you thought, okay, we don't want to foster. So now what? What happened? So now we're just gonna start saving money and we're okay. gonna get the surgery and it's gonna happen. Okay. And so um we were also in that time we um jumped back into church. Neither one of us had been to church for years, and so right before we got the boys, we had joined a church home and um they have they showed us so much love and support that we were like, this is what we want to do. So we started um, going to a small Bible study 
And uh, we just asked them to pray for us and help us get through this because our hearts were aching and this is what we wanted to do so bad, but we just couldn't afford it. And so it was probably about a year in, a friend of mine sent me a message and she was like, have you heard of Midwest vasectomy reversals? And I was like, no. And she goes, it's only $3,500 to have a reversal done. Wow. Yes. What a huge difference. Yes. We just, it's, she's like, I was just praying about you and I was on my um, work laptop and this ad popped up with Midwest vasectomy reversals. And so I just felt like it was God telling me to give you a call and let you know about this. And so we immediately contacted them. We set up an appointment and we had the procedure done within three months. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, Because $3,500 is a lot easier to handle than eight. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because you had already saved or knew how to save, you know, because you had saved the 2000 and, you know, spent it and then saved again. Yeah. Yeah. So So, it was within three months. Okay. Yeah. So he ended up having the procedure done and this Dr. Summers was amazing Um, he's a Christian man himself and he decided years ago that he wanted to reverse his vasectomy so that he and his wife can expand their family. So that's why he went into just reversals so that he could help men like my husband. Wow. And, um, it was an amazing story to hear from him and the whole experience from start to finish was amazing. My husband was comfortable. Um, recovery time was hard for him. Mm-hmm. It took about three weeks, but I mean, you're going through a pretty big surgery. Now. Yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm he, not sure that I've ever met someone that has had that surgery, you know? So, yeah. Interesting. So, but it must be done a lot if that's what this doctor, he specializes told- in just that. And he only does like five or six a week and that's it. Wow. And he was booked. It took us two months to get in. I'm surprised that was that many. But, you know, I guess people like your husband, they think, you know, they're going to be married and and they have the procedure, not even thinking that anything's going to change. And then life changes, you know. So, wow. Yeah. So many men. I mean, well, when you think about it, you know, divorce is normalized these days. That's, you know, so getting a divorce is no big deal. You guys don't get along. Just get a divorce, you know, Mm -hmm. find somebody to make you happy instead of putting in the work to make each other happy, you know? So there's more and more reversals that are happening these days because of that. Sure. Sure. So what it was this, uh, he had the procedure done. What was the success rate um what was the outcome or you know what did they what were the statistics you well, know well dr it... summers has a 85 percent success rate okay he yes. was hesitant with my husband and he didn't he didn't send us out with a a ton of hope he oh. said it's been 16 years or 15 years since you've had this procedure done mm-hmm. or i don't maybe it was 13 any Anyhow, it had been a lot of years, more than 10 years since <laughs> yeah. he had the procedure. And so he's like, you know, I've seen it happen, but I've also seen it not happen. 
So, you know, we're just going to hope for the best. Please follow my instructions on recovery time. Um, if you have any other pain or any other problems, please reach out to me and let me know. He goes, and we'll do a sperm count a year from now. And so we just went with the hope that, you know, maybe something's going to happen. But during the surgery, he's said he's seen active swimmers, which is extremely rare. He hmm. said they aren't fully formed, but they were there. And he barely ever sees that in cases where men has had this procedure done like 10, 10 years out. So we that did sounded hopeful. Yes. We yeah. Had a bit of hope. Okay. Um, so a year goes by and nothing. And at this point, you know, from like the third month, cause the reviews and some of the people said that they have gotten pregnant within three months. So we're like, okay, so we're doing the ovulation tests. We're doing the pregnancy tests every single month. And so starting from month three, that's what we did. And after 12 months from the surgery, or it was 13 months from the surgery, he got a sperm count mm-hmm. and it was extremely high. So it was a very successful surgery. Good. But I was still not pregnant. And mm. so um, I ended up going to the doctor and finding out if anything was wrong with me and nothing was. I didn't have PCOS. I didn't have any other fertility issues that would cause me to not get pregnant. And yeah, that has got to be one of the most frustrating things. I know that's kind of like with my daughters, you know, it's like physically there's nothing wrong. We can't explain why you're not getting pregnant, but it happens a lot. Yes. It's it's unexplained why women aren't getting pregnant. Yeah. You, you wouldn't think you would think that there would be some kind of reason like do you need to take more samples of my blood? Like, what else do you need to do? Do I need to have, like, ultrasounds every month to see, like, if this is happening? Like, I was willing to pull out all the stops. Yeah. And the sad thing at that time was I didn't have any health insurance. Oh. And my husband his job. Oh, no. So it was um, also a difficult time. So I was like, well, we want this to happen, but we have to pay for all these procedures out of pocket. And you're only getting a certain amount of unemployment until we could find another job. And it was just um, an emotional roller coaster for a while. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Wow. Yeah. That had to weigh heavy on your, on your mind, on your heart. So did you ever think or did it come into your mind that it might have been just some stress from all of that? Um everything came into play. Like I'm working too much. Um, I'm too stressed. I I don't sleep enough. Maybe I'm not eating right. You think of everything. And as women, you know, we tend to blame ourselves over Mm. every tiny little bitty thing. Yes. And it's, it's exhausting whenever you look back at it to see like how much I blame myself in it. I shouldn't have done that. And my advice that I give to people now, whenever I'm telling my story is I just tell them to, you know, like give themselves some hope, um, praise themselves, reward themselves for all the hard work that they're putting in. Even if they're not getting anything, any outcome, any positive outcome right now, you're still putting in all the work. So you Mm -hmm. need to just relax and 
enjoy the ride. I know it sounds hard to enjoy the ride, but I wish I would have. And it is difficult, especially when you're in the middle of all that, you know, to, to (laughs) even think about like enjoying, you know, but it, it is, you know, it's really, you know, we're both women of faith that it's really in, it's God's plan, you know, it is definitely God's plan. And as much as I say that I prayed and I gave it to God, I didn't fully give it to God because mm-hmm. I was still working my butt off every month with those ovulation tests. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, okay, this has a smiley face. So that means, you know, like I'm ovulating. This is our time. Come on, and hurry so, up. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it just took like all the fun out of it. And yeah. The so intimacy after, is gone. <laughs> yeah. So after about a year and a half, um, I went, or maybe it was two years. I went to the doctor and I was like, okay, like I, nothing has worked. Like I've tried all your suggestions. I've exercised. I've been eating right. You know, we count the ovulation days. We do what you said. So he's like, okay, well, let's start some Clomid. And I was like, I don't know what Clomid is, but I'm willing to try it. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, prepare yourself for um, multiples if this happens. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> do we let's want that? do it. <laughs> so um, I started my first round of Clomid. And my very first round, I was so sick. I was like, I couldn't even walk. I was crawling around the house. Mm. Um because they said it doesn't matter what time of day you take it. So I took it in the morning thinking it would be more effective. Well, it made me extremely sick. So, mm. uh, that so is that, month, a, is that a typical side effect? It is. Okay. It right. is. Um, I wasn't sure what the side effects would be. Um, cause every woman is different, but sure. with me, um, I was extremely sick, very nauseous. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I was very dizzy. Um, so that was first the first month. And so when it was ovulation time, I was like, this is going to happen because I'm on fertility meds now. So it's going to work. Mm. Um, when my period came that first month, it was like a dagger just went in my heart. And I was like, what, what can I, what else can I do? So I called the doctor and they were like, well, let's just try again. You know, it's okay. We'll just try again. So I did a second round of Clomid. I took it at night this time and I wasn't sick and I did really good. And again, that month, nothing. I took a third round of Clomid and then nothing. And then I didn't. And then I took a round of Femera. Now that Hmm. is a chemotherapy drug. Yeah. I've heard of that. Uh Uh-huh. And so my doctor said that he uh, had positive results with fertility with Femera. And I was like, let's try it. Well, Femera's 220 something dollars. Without having any health insurance, we're just like, well, whatever. Because Clomid was cheap. That was like $7. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. So then I get Femera and it's like $224 for three pills. I'm oh, like, my goodness. Oh, boy. So that's what we did, though. We just forked out the money and we did it. Okay. Um. I did not think I was pregnant that month. Um, my husband's parents, their house burnt down. Oh, no. And we were dealing with that stress and we used because they lived there. 
and um, until they could figure something out, like a hotel or something, because they lost everything. Mm. And then I ended up getting my period, so I was pretty bummed, but it was a really, really rough period. Like, I've never had a period like this, and I got to thinking, and I got to talking to a friend of mine that was a medical assistant in Mm -hmm. an OB office, and she was like, honey, um, I'm pretty sure you're having a miscarriage. And so um, that's what it was. So, so you did get pregnant then? I did. Off Amara. Okay. <laughs> but I forgot about it because I was going through all that stress. And then by, by the time I found out I was, it was a miscarriage, my husband was leaving two days later to go to Nepal for a mission trip. Oh, my gosh. So, so he was gone for a little over two weeks. Um so I dealt with that emotion by myself while yeah. I continued to work. And of course I took care of the kids and the house and did all of that. So whenever he came back, we decided to keep trying. So my doctor ended up put me on Clomid again. Okay. And so. Is that because of the cost or is that just, he didn't want you to do the Tamara because it was more of a experimental or. Um, I think that he thought the Clomid would work. Okay. Okay. I thought, well, when you take Clomid, you have to go in on day 21 and get your blood drawn to check for your progesterone. Yeah. Okay. So, um. I did that every month. So I went through seven more months mm. of and it was just so hard on my body. Um, after the seventh month, um, my arms were tingling like they were numb all the time. I had severe headaches. Uh, Femera really did some damage to my body. And wow. then I was tired of going in on day 21 and getting that blood withdrawal every time. Um, I just felt defeated and I was like, okay, like we're done. Like, I do not want to go through this anymore. Well, yeah. And if it's doing that much damage to your body, (laughs) how are you, what's going to happen when, and if you ever would become pregnant, right? You know, your body is so damaged and weak or or whatever. Like, yeah, it doesn't sound Real good to me. Not very no. healthy. No. So I took a couple months off so that my body could like regain its strength and at mm-hmm. least get back to being me. And so we went in and I was like one more time, but I don't want to do Clomid. So he's like, well, let's try Femera again. And I said, okay. So um, we did Femera and um, it was Labor Day. And we were about to go to American Ninja Warrior because I had just signed up myself. And so we were doing it as a family. And my husband was like, aren't you supposed to start today? I was like, yeah, but I feel it. It's coming. I was like, so, you know, um, I'm just going to continue to go to class because I know it's coming. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, why don't you just go take a test? I was like, I'm not going to take a test because I know that you know, I'm about to have my cycle. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, cause this was our last month. I'd already gotten rid of all of it. We had given up. We were ready to throw in the towel and just look towards our future. 
Yeah. Uh, we were just going to enjoy our kids and like travel and we're going to buy a side-by-side and buy a camper and just go spend our summers like traveling mm-hmm. since our kids were big enough, you know, Yeah, it would be fun. And so that was our plan. So I didn't have any pregnancy tests at the house because I had already given up. Um, even though I took that last round and I took that Femera, I had given up. Yeah. Had um, totally lost hope in that. The hope was gone. Yeah. Um, I just felt like maybe that's not God's plan for us. Maybe God's plan is for us to save babies, not have babies. Mm. So um, I had opened up the idea of doing foster to adopt. So okay. if you go through a different organization besides DCFS, then you have um, what they call more severe cases. And so it's kids that's been in the system that they don't have much hope of going back to their parents. Okay. All right. So then you have a higher chance of adopting those kids. Okay. So that's what my heart was set on. And that's what I was looking forward to. And so I ended up going to Schnucks and just buying a cheap pregnancy test because it was going to be negative. And I had to hurry up and get to my American Ninja Warrior class in 30 minutes. <laughs> so I um, hurried up and went in the bathroom and I peed on that stick and it immediately turned positive And I just screamed dj get in here so all the kids come running in because (laughs) you know i'm hollering for him and it was a positive pregnancy test and um he's a jokester so he was like is it mine (laughs) so that was his first word and yeah we were pregnant oh my gosh Um, finally after 31 months of trying 31 months of counting your ovulation days and having a negative pregnancy test and then buying those boxes of tampons, you know, 31 months of that when you were hoping to not buy a box of tampons for a long time because you were finally going to be pregnant. Nope. It finally happened. That's a long time to be, to be uh, trying to have you know, another child for your family and to go through 31 months of disappointment. Yes. So it took a total of, yeah, yeah. yeah, It took a total of five years from when we decided to like start this until it actually happened. But after the surgery, three months after the surgery is when we started trying. So that was our month one. So Mm -hmm. it was 31 months of all of that all wow. of those emotions and so well, you are one strong woman girl <laughs> wow I Woo. know I just and then whenever the pregnancy test was positive my worry didn't go away yeah I was gonna my say my guilt didn't go away like I didn't even find out the sex of the baby my whole pregnancy because I could say this now because she's now a year old but um and I'm, I feel like emotionally I'm past it and I'm stronger now, but I didn't find out the sex of the baby because I was afraid I was going to lose the baby. Um, and I didn't tell people until I was like 20 weeks pregnant. Mm. Um, I told some people, but I didn't tell a lot. I had sure. a great big old belly. I was trying to hide <laughs> pictures on Facebook and everything else. Cause the, I I was just scared I was going to lose this baby. Sure. So I didn't want to pick a name. We didn't even have a name picked out when the baby was born. 
we had a couple of different suggestions, but yeah, I mean, that's just where I was emotionally. And I used other excuses of why I didn't have a name picked out and why I didn't want to find out the sex of the baby. But the ultimate reason was because I was scared. Afraid of, afraid to get attached. I didn't want to be attached. Fear of loss. Yeah. I barely took pictures of my belly. Um, I barely brought attention to my belly because I was just afraid that other people would also get attached and then it would just be ripped ripped away from us. That we've gone through all of this struggle and we've been through all of this and we kind of cheated. You know, we use fertility meds. So is God going to punish us because we're cheating and we're using fertility meds, not trusting his timing? Mm. I, I blame myself for a lot. But, but do you still blame yourself? I do not. Okay. I, I do feel guilty that I didn't enjoy the pregnancy. Um, I f- have tons of guilt that I tried to hide behind my own fear. If I would have just talked about it with somebody and was honest with them about what I was going through, then maybe it would be a little bit different. But none of my friends have really like struggled with infertility. So I felt like I was one of the first ones. Sure. Um, my friend Joey and I, we kind of had this little joke. And it's it's not really a joke. It's, it's not nice to look back on when you think about it. But I'm just going to say it anyway because why not? It is what it is, right? (laughs) Yeah. My cousin and his wife, they now, I think, have seven kids. Hmm. And and they're all little. So they're, like, pregnant one after the other. And so I always joked. I was like, it took me four pool kids to get pregnant. How many pool kids did it take for you? Hmm. Because they just kept popping them out. Not that we were jealous of them. You know, they decided to let their family size... um, stay in God's hands. So if God wanted them to have that many kids and that's what they're going to do, um, which that's their plan and that's what they want. And they take care of their kids and they're healthy and they're strong and they're thriving. So, you know, like there's no bad blood or anything like that towards them. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, like I'm trying to get pregnant. I'm doing everything I can. And you're on your fifth one. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. um, those are, those are hard things to deal with, you know, and it, it is God's plan, but you know, when, when I'm up in heaven, I'm, I'm sure going to ask him <laughs> why, why so, so much struggle and difficulty for some and such ease for others, you know, yeah. but for me, I believe too, that's one reason why I'm doing the podcast, you know. God has taken me through this journey and and you through a journey and we're sharing that to help other people. And so that's just kind of how I look at it. Absolutely. That's why, you know, anybody that I talk to, I just tell them, I was like, enjoy the ride. I know it seems so um, discouraging and it seems like there's no hope, but there is hope. You know, I just see it as when I lost that baby, when I had that miscarriage, I just see it as it's God's way of saying, there's nothing wrong with you. You Mm -hmm. can get pregnant. It's just not your time. Just be patient and the right baby will come your way. That's how I took the miscarriage. Once I got past the shock of, oh, that's what that is. Because thank thank goodness I was too busy and distracted. I didn't know I was pregnant. Sure. Um, And so I just see all of these as blessings in disguise. Yeah. Um, 
And it's, and it's, I think it's a lot easier to see that when you're through it. It's yes. hard to see all those things when you're in the middle of it. Absolutely. I have friends now that I know of that have struggled with infertility that at the time when I was going through it, I don't know if I was just so self-consumed or if I just didn't know of it. But, you know, like I felt like I was the only one until mm-hmm. like towards the end when my friend Joey was trying to go through it as well. Um, but now I see tons of women that are going through this and I'm just like, okay, Hey, (laughs) like, let me help you. Let me give you some words of encouragement so that you don't drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the main reason, you know, that I, you know, I'm sharing my story and my daughter's story and your story and as many women and men that we can share their story to really give hope to those other women, because there are a lot of people going through it. Yeah. Um, but they don't talk about it, you know, right. There were, there were people going through it when you were, but it just wasn't talked about. You weren't connected to them at that time, really. Right. I felt like if I would have had somebody that was on my level with me, Mm -hmm. it would have been a little bit easier to get through or to just somebody else had also been going through this. It would have been a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, that's, that's why we're going to, we're spreading the word girl. And yes. I know you already have been, you, you just said that you've been helping other, other women and in, in through yes. when you find out. Yes. So, my neighbor is um, pregnant now and it took her eight years. Oh my gosh. And so I love sharing her excitement with her and, you know, of course she's scared, but I'm just like, no, we can't, you can't be scared. So I'm there to like, give her that push to keep her positive, to allow her to enjoy it instead of live in fear like I did. Yeah. 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 It should be very joyous, you know, but it's very hard as humans to not have that fear, you know, in the back of your mind or throughout those thoughts throughout the day, but it's very important for the positive to outweigh that for sure. You know. Yeah, that's why for, I said as soon as I have a living, breathing baby on my chest, <laughs> I will not relax. <laughs> yeah, but it would have been good for you to have that person, so you could have relaxed and enjoyed that. And yeah, it, it probably was not the healthiest um, for you to be so fearful. You know. Yeah. Well, my older kids they weren't very supportive either. Like they kept saying that they wanted me to get pregnant, have another baby. But as soon as it happened, they were very negative about it. Ooh, they were very jealous. The oldest, um, she was 16. And so it's, uh, my husband's daughter. And so she would go back and forth with, I'm 16 years old. Why are you going to have another baby? This, Mm. this is ridiculous. And then, that would bring my then um, 13 year old daughter into the mix saying the same thing. So I had them being very negative at home. And so it just, it didn't allow me to enjoy it. Wow. Wow. How are they now? So Um, Aspen is their best friend. (laughs) Okay. And so I don't know if you said that. So you, you have a little girl now and, and delivery, pregnancy was was good except for your fear um I had a lot of fear I had a few complications it wasn't too bad okay Um, but I wasn't any like major complications um 
And then I, my doctor was actually going to be on vacation. And so he wanted to make sure he delivered me. So he induced me okay. a little bit early because my due date was on the oldest's birthday. Ooh. Yes. So she was turning 17 on her 17th mm. birthday was when the baby was due. Ooh. So we were trying to have the baby before her birthday so that she wouldn't have to share the, the birthday with the baby. And so, uh, we did, we went in on the eighth and we chose the eighth because my husband's birthday is December 8th. My birthday is October 8th and our wedding anniversary is November 8th. And so we wanted the baby to be born on the eighth as well. Eight is great is what my, yes. is what my daughter says. <laughs> yes. But the baby had other plans. I stayed at a one and a half and I never did progress. And then uh. the next day it was like noon and they checked me and I was still only at a two. Oh and so my goodness. They, and the baby's head was still floating is what they call it. Um, okay. They would go to check me and the head would float back up. So they were like, we're probably going to just send you home. I was like, well, these contractions are killer. Can I have something? So they gave me a little something to relax me. Mm -hmm. And it just made me like out of my mind. I still felt the pain, but like I was relaxed in between contractions. And so because of that, I went from a two to a pushing the baby out 30 minutes later. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so the baby was born should, at 124. Should have done that a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, she checked me and she's like, oh my gosh, you're at an eight. And then I was like, I got to push. And she's like, do not do that. I did it anyway. And within like, <laughs> I got the epidural and it didn't even kick in yet. The baby was already here. Do not do that. And you did. <laughs> so the baby had its own plans and was like, no, I'm coming out. You guys talked about going home. I'm going to make my grand entrance. And <laughs> And whenever she came out, my husband blurted, it's a girl. We all started crying. I had my daughter Taylor in the room with us. Um, Mackenzie, the oldest one, was supposed to be in the room, but she didn't want to miss a day of school. Mm. And um, my mom was in the room. So all of us were just bawling our eyes out. Oh. Um, I wanted to share that experience with my daughter. Sure. So she felt included. And she didn't regret the baby anymore, like, because she had done it the entire pregnancy. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, yeah. and 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 for for uh, teenage girls, it's like, ooh, just you know, watching all that, it might make them think a little. Bit, like, wait till you're married to do this. <laughs> Yes, my girls are very mature. My doctor was like, eh, I don't know about that. I was like, nope, she's coming in. She's okay. She's mature. And yeah. he was real informative with her. He was like, oh, okay, now this is the placenta and this is this. And he was like showing her everything. And she was loving every bit of it. Wow. Well, well that's good. You know, yeah. it's a, it was an, a, definitely an educational uh, experience for her and a joyous yeah. one as, as well. Yes. And so now she's a year old and we have had a whole year to just enjoy this blessing that God had given us. Mm, yeah. So all the kids are, are good now with her. Yes. Even yeah. my son, my son, one of the little boys. So whenever he came into the room and he found out it was a girl, he walked back out of the room and he left. Oh. The <laughs> he came back the next day and actually held the baby and was like, okay, oh, it's okay. She's kind of cute. 
So I could still teach her how to play Fortnite, can I? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. Uh, well, Jamie, I have totally enjoyed um, this time with you and you sharing uh, your journey. Totally something that, you know, um, a lot of people probably you know, have not experienced or even thought about, you know, everything that your husband had to go through for you to have this little girl. And then 30, 31 months of disappointment, you know, and I think women, that's the thing that, that hurts the most is when that cycle starts, when that period starts and the emotions and everything. And for you to endure it for that long, oh my gosh, you're one strong woman. And I'd like to conclude with um, if there was anything that you'd like to add that we didn't talk about. And if you can also share some words of hope and encouragement for men and women, couples that are going through some kind of struggles or loss. Well, um, God, seek God. Um, I know a lot of couples, they don't go to church and they try to figure it out on their own and I am living proof that you cannot do it on your own. You could do all things through God. And I know that that seems like a cliche, but it is the nitty gritty, the good and the bad. It is all through him. So awesome. So, so yeah, just don't give up on each other and don't let the worst get, get to you seek God first and talk to your friends because maybe there is somebody that's going through it and you just don't know because you're not talking. Yeah. And I think it is very important to make sure that you have that supportive person by your side. And it sounds like you did with your husband. Um, I think that's really important for people find that support. And if it's, you know, if it's as difficult you know, for you as it is for your husband and he's not the support, find that support. Like you said, talk to, talk to people, somebody knows somebody, or what I will put out there, if you've listened to this podcast and it's something that you are going through, um, reach out to me and I can connect you with Jamie. If you're open to that, Jamie. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and get you the support that you need to um, help you through this difficult time. So yeah. I think we'll conclude with that unless you can think of something else that's, that has popped up that you wanted to share. No, ma'am. I think we covered it all. All right. Well, thank you so much for this time, Jamie. And I can't wait as soon as we can get out and about to meet that little girl. Oh, yeah. Um, Since I haven't seen you in many years. (laughs) Yes, just a few. So um, I I would love to meet her sometime. Absolutely, yes. Thank you so much, Jamie, for sharing your story of hope and encouragement with all of our listeners. If you have found value in listening to this podcast, please subscribe and give a review but most importantly share this with the person you know that it can help if you are interested in connecting with myself or jamie
please connect on Facebook through Women Connect and Support or by sending me an email at Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A, dot womenconnect2019 at gmail.com. And of course, all of this information will be in the show notes. And as always, I want you to know that you are not alone on this journey, and we are here to connect and give you support through this most difficult time of your life.